You're listening to the Have a Horror Podcast. Vampire Circus. Hello, welcome to the Hammer Horror Podcast. This being our Vampire Tales edition, and we're currently at our seventh instalment with the movie entitled Vampire Circus. I'm joined by regular podcaster Miles Davies. Hello. Hey, Miles. How's it going? Good. 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 Welcome. Uh, welcome back to, uh, as I say, our seventh instalment. Thank you. Uh, we're getting to the nitty end of now. The uh, vampire stories. Not long to go, and we hope podcast uh, listeners out there are enjoying what we're offering for the Hammer Horror films with a bit of a vampire twist to it. I think uh, just a, a few little nuggets on, on the background of Vampire Circus before we start talking about the film itself. Uh, we have newcomer uh, Robert Young commissioned to direct this movie. Um, and the only real kind of familiar faces as far as uh, Hammer's concerned is uh, as an actor called Thorley Waters and also Adrian Corey. But we'll, we'll come to talk about those uh, people down the track. Um, other than that, like uh, the only thing to mention is like the Vampire Circus itself did actually fall behind schedule due partly to the inexperience of the director um, Robert Young, but also like to, it had a lot to do with the. There's a large cast involved with this, and um, you know both human and animal as well. Yeah. So there was there was a lot of stuff that had to kind of go into it, and and I think um, you can't entirely blame the director for that because there's a, there's a lot of elements in the mix. Children and animals. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know it. Um, so, but uh, the only other thing, really, like despite all that, is it probably is uh, one of the better received Hammer films of the seventies that came out of it. We'll postpone our thoughts on that until we get get through it. But um, just a, a little bit of info there around the movie. Well, let's let's just get into it. Let's let's talk about yeah. the, the movie. Let's let's look at the plot line, and uh, we'll crash through. And as always, feel free to interject, Miles, no if you want to comment along no the way. Um, so we we open up with uh, Count Mitterhouse, who's played by Robert Taman, um, evidently a vampire, and he is preying on the children of the town of Stettel, uh, which, if you think about it, is actually uh, it's quite um, that's quite a hard sell for a movie straight off the bat. So mm. what we have in here is 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 a definite hint of child molestation mm. in the guise of a of a vampire. Yeah. Um, so I could see why off the bat that may kind of hindered some of the uh, ticket sales it certainly wasn't um, really disturbing the um, how the, the the mother of the child sort of comes out of nowhere and sort of gently coerces the, yeah. the young girl into this sort of dark mansion sort of yeah. thing and it's yeah it, it all happens during daylight right in front of the the, the father's eyes yeah yeah yeah, it's almost because it's so quiet. And there's no real soundtrack going on, so no. it's really quite disturbing. That's right. That's right. And it's a, it's it is quite a dark, dark mm. subject matter anyway. I mean, like of recent years, it's been an area that some some uh, uh, filmmakers have delved into. Mm. Um, uh, but like during that time, like Hammer did touch on a, on another one that was of a similar nature. It was called Never Take Sweets from a Stranger, mm. um, and then. Um, so not, the only other one I can think of is um, an early Fritz Lang movie called M, mm. which um, was basically about a child killer yeah, um, in Germany. Right. And um, the interesting one about that is that the uh, the actual 
um, crime syndicate at the time, because uh, the police were kind of on every corner, uh, the, the crime level had gone down and uh, criminals out there, your, typ your typical like um, thieves and, you know, and the like um, had had enough. So they kind of formed a, uh, an Apache movement and vigilante, vigilante yeah, yeah. And, and they go out uh, to kind of unearth yeah. this, uh, this character. Very good movie. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the point is, is that it's a quite a taboo subject and it is an interesting take on the vampire tale itself. Mm. So with the death of one more child, the people become uh, like su sufficiently enraged that they storm the count's castle, and uh, and we have the, the very you know it's a very typical what's normally an end of a vampire kind of mm. Dracula story where the villagers storm the castle and they eventually they end they up staking the, the most the weirdest sex scene I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, they're and this coming from your rolling over each other, yeah, they're, yeah, just, yeah. they're doing roly polies, roly polies. <laughs> <laughs> this coming from uh, this coming from our uh, earlier comment on the weird uh, sex scene in Twins of Evil too. There's a, there's a weird pattern going along here with these vampire stories. Yeah, very strange. And that, look anyway. Look the 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 crux of it is is they end up staking this vampire through the heart, and with his dying breath, Mitterhouse vows, "Your children will die to give me back my life, my life, my life." Um, so. Um, and that sends up the scene. So it's normally like our climax, and we're seeing it right at the very beginning yeah. of the film. See, I thought I'd missed half a film or yeah. something, or it was like a continuation of a previous film, because yeah. it felt like I was jumping straight into a story. Yeah. And I've seen it, they, they do, do it quite a lot with the beginning of, of the vampire films that I have seen, yeah. of Hammers, uh, where they do jump into like the tail end of a story. Yes. But this actually did feel like I, it yeah. was like, did I miss something? Sure. And I was actually looking on IMDb, looking for the previous <laughs> to see what, what whether I'd actually missed, missed something the, the way. previous film. I guess that's understandable too, because like with these podcasts too, we've been looking at the Dracula ones, and they're the mm. ones you, you're talking about, and they they tended to be um, a, a kind of linear narrative yeah. and a follow on with those Dracula well, films. There's a, so. there's a common character that that's it exactly, yeah. but yeah, but in this case, no, we're we're, mm. we're presented with what would normally feel like a climax of the movie at, at the very beginning. Um, we then um, have Professor Albert Muller, whose wife Anna had become the Count's willing consort, um, and the Burgermeister, uh, Doctor Kirsch, and Herr Hauser. Uh, these people are the only ones who actually survived this onslaught. And this is important because they're characters that are carried on throughout the movie as we join it, um, and and also the uh, you know the the dying vow your children will die to give me back my life has a heavy impact on these particular characters. Um, so just as the uh, castle is consumed in flames, the count whispers to Anna, "Tell Emil he will know what to do." Cut to fifteen years later. And the town of Stettel is dying, literally. A plague is slowly killing the people. Some believe it is the Count's curse at work. Neighbouring villages are afraid that the plague or curse may spread and have placed roadblocks around Stettel. They vow to shoot anyone attempting to leave or enter the town. Dr. Kirsch is among those who believes it to be a disease, not a curse and he plans to sneak out of the town and bring back knowledge and medicines from the city. With his son, Anton, acting as a decoy, Dr. Kirsch manages to get away. Before his father leaves, Anton reminds him to find his girlfriend, Dora Muller, the daughter of Professor Muller, 
and tell her not to come back. Unbeknownst to them, that Dora is already planning to sneak through the robots in an attempt to get back to her father and Anton. Oh, Dora. Oh, Dora. <laughs> Emily explored. I, I was trying to think of something else. Like, do I go there? Do I? Uh, I let it to you to do that. <laughs> you cannot. You <laughs> That's it. We're both parents. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, cool. All right. So look, there's a lot of things in play here that's been kind of setting up the piece. Where um, it's uh, it feels like Doctor Kirsch is going to have a significant role to play within the movie. Anton and Dora also are lending themselves up to kind of be uh, key players in the piece. Um, somehow, though, a circus manages to make it through the roadblocks. The circus is known as the Circus of Night. Which is kind of, you know, <laughs> if you just had a vampire problem and you yeah. had a, a circus coming to town, it's yeah. we're called the Circus of the Night. And you go, yeah. um, yeah. don't really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is a little bit of a sensitive subject here. Na- name choice, name choice. What's, <laughs> what's behind that? Um, but so... Um, so this uh, Circus of Night uh, is made up of uh, these kind of like tricksters, performances, dancers, aerialists, wild animals, and the people of Stettler are at least um, to be entertained in their misery. Um, but this is no ordinary circus, as we've alluded. Um, Serena, for example, um, uh, dances totally nude except for the tiger stripes on her body. Um, this body paint thing that going a, on. That's quite a cool piece of uh, interpretive dance that she was up to. Yes, that's yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah. Uh, we also have um, aerialist twins Helga, played by Lella Ward, yeah. um, which we'll come to in a minute. Uh-huh. Name might ring a bell. Um, and Heinrich turn and they turn into owls as they soar through the air. And when the panther jumps up, he jumps down in the body of Emil. Name clue there. His name's Emil. Dun, dun, dun. Um, who seems smitten with the Burgermeister's daughter, Rosa, and she with him. Mm. So a bit of a luring going on. So, yes, yeah, definitely a, an interesting kind of set of uh, people that make up the Circus of Night. Emil, um, turns out, is a vampire and uh, really is Count Mitterhouse's cousin who was alluded to earlier. The ring mistress, known simply as the Gypsy Woman, is really Anna Muller, um, who was seen as in the uh, beginning of the movie. The plot thickens. Um, but she looks slightly different. She's under the guise of yeah. magic. They're all shape-shifty. They are. They are. all The whole bunch of them. This is an interesting turn, actually. Like In this instance, there's a lot of shape-shifting yeah. things going on, which you haven't really seen before, or if it has, it's only ever been alluded to, mm. other than like turning into a bat. Mm. and back again you know it's but here we're getting like shape-shifting into animals and beasts and, and they do it quite cl- cleverly like I mean it's obviously they don't have a great deal of money for special effects to mm. do, and there's absolutely no such thing as CGI no so, not in this stage um, yeah. so they basically just do it via the sort of magic of sort of in-house effects yeah. in-camera effects or, or editing yes and it's done quite well yeah. I mean there's later on jumping forward later on there's a bit where um guy's running up the stairs and suddenly turns into a panther and yes. that's really so quickly yeah. it's great how there's a cut in between one of the rails or something as it's travelling that's right and it's really quite subtly done and you just kind of go oh, that looks really cool yeah yeah it's, it's interesting when you look because when you look back at um, these kind of older movies and the tricks of the trade that they used mm. to do to kind of uh, suspend disbelief and, mm. and you know pull you into it um, yeah it's pretty fascinating you know mm. like it's it's almost 
easier these days with CGI and technology to kind of um, you know trick the eye. Well, back um, in the thirties, um, the actual special effects person was the camera, almost the camera operator, because mm. there was a special trick camera, uh, trick camera photography. That's person. right. Yeah. And um, so they've kind of used a bit of that sort of knowledge to to. I mean, these days it's kind of old hands for yeah. directors yeah. to to know a couple of little kind of sneaky tricks of the trade and develop their own that's well. right yeah but, yeah. Um, yeah well there you go there you go so we have Emil the vampire and uh, as I said this ring mistress um, and uh, and the twins are her children with the count so the twins that we alluded to the aerialist twin gymnasts oh. um, their purpose in Stettel is not to entertain but to kill dun, dun, dun. First to suffer the consequences is the Burgermeister, played by the aforementioned Thorley Waters, um, Hammer Regular, when he is invited to make a special trip through the mirror of life. At first, he is overcome with laughter at the silly distortions and the various mirrors. In the last mirror, however, he sees himself being bitten by the Count, who speaks to him, reminding him of his curse. And then, Shield. And his family are among those who believe that the Count's curse is coming true. Schilt bribes Michael, the circus dwarf, to lead him, his wife, and his mother out of town. Michael is happy to comply, but leaves them stranded just beyond the roadblocks where they are torn up by a panther. Mm. Good scene. Yeah, it's a very good scene, actually. Mm. Very kind of, I like the whole kind of... It's the first real element that you really feel that the village is enclosed to, mm. and that they are... Surrounded by these robots, well, I thought that with the um, where uh, Anton and the the, the other guy, the, the doctor, doctor. Go, try and leave town, and you have all these sort of guns going yeah. off. Yeah, but you don't actually see who's in the forest. No, you don't. So it's it's it has that you know that the the, the awful uh, Shyamalan film, the the village oh, has yeah, that yeah, feel yeah. to it. You know that sort of isolated yeah. sort of village in the middle of nowhere, but. Who is on the outside? Yeah, you know? yeah, that's right. That's quite. In- I, I, I like that sort of. Yes. You know, it's a yeah. good concept for a um, for a future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, no, it is a really yeah. good idea. I like um, I like the idea of isolate. I mean, it's like you know we we talk with about the unseen. You know the yeah, unseen prison. prison you don't guards, see. Basically. Well, that's kind of one of the one of the. The the films where like horror films where it really works mm. is where you don't actually see mm. what what the beast is or what the the enemy or you know or creature is mm. you know and a, a lot of uh, films that have done well hide hide the villain right to the very end you yeah. know and it, and so sometimes you're a little bit let down by by the ending when you actually finally finally see the villain mm. or, or the, the beast in, in particular like off the top of my head I'm thinking of I can think of The Keep by Michael Mann yeah. which uh, is all kind of set in that kind of Nazi period and it's all very spiritual and and it's, it just feels really wrong and out of place. And mm. yeah, unfortunately, when you see this creature at the end, it kind of destroys it slightly. But mm. um, you know that it's, it is, it's, it's, and it's because it's the power of the imagination, and that's and that's what um, filmmakers um, need to rely on. Because you know they, they they shouldn't think the audience are stupid. They're not stupid. Yeah. And you let them imagine their own worst demons, and yeah, I guess that's where you know, you know films like Blair Witch Project. Yeah. kind of you never really saw well you didn't see anything you didn't see anything no and, and, and it so is a, that is heightened paranoia and that's, yeah. 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 And it's cool scary. yeah yeah that's it alright so uh, so we've just had this uh, the Schiltz family kind of being killed off um, next to be invited through the mirror of life are the houses John and Gustav 
In the final mirror, they see the twins, Heinrich and Helga, who take them through. The next morning, their bodies are found lying on the ground, drained of blood with holes in their necks. So there's a lot of people being killed off very quickly here. That was quite a cool scene where they step into the mirror, then they get into this suddenly... This like this cave kind of... Fantasy world. That's it. Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of cool. It's like the... Kind of like a disturbed version of, I guess, um, you know, um, through the looking glass, Mm. kind of Alice in Wonderland Mm. feel to it. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Um, So... um, the burgomaster um, is a you know he's afraid that his daughter will be next and he, um, you know he's he's really sick at this point because he's he's the, as I said the first victim per se although not killed off um, he's the one that's there to uh, let let the audience know that the curse is 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 uh, about to hit mm. um, but he's worried for his daughter's safety and um, he orders that all the circus animals be killed. Um, and so they go off and Harehauser that's the scene where they kind of turn up at the circus and Harehauser shoots the monkey first which was a bit odd damn um, monkeys, damn monkeys. Um, maybe he'd uh, had a premonition of 28 days later yeah um, <laughs> and, um, and shoot the rage infested <laughs> monkey then, uh, and then he shoots and kills the tiger but just as uh, the burgomaster is about to shoot the panther he has a heart attack and Emil disappears how convenient Yes. Next is Rosa's turn. Emil leads her to the crypt where the Count's body is being kept. There, Emil bites Rosa and allows her blood to spill on the Count. Emil vows that tonight, Professor Muller's daughter, Dora, will die and the Count will live. During the next circus performance, Dora is invited through the Mirror of Life. Anton follows, just in time to see her go through the mirror. Heinrich prepares to bite her neck but is thwarted by the cross around it and she is cast out of the mirror. Dr. Kirsch returns to Stettel, so just rem- uh, to remind you, he's the one that escaped the barricade and got out yeah. to kind of find out what was the, behind the disease. He believes it's a disease, not a curse. And so he returns with the information that the plague is actually a virulent strain of rabies caused by bats. He brings medicines, but he also brings the news that there are vampires in the land, and that in each case where people have been reported killed by vampires, the Circus of Night has stayed for a day or two. Uh, connection, connections. connections. Following her brush with the vampires, Dora has locked herself in the living quarters of the school where her father teaches. But that doesn't thwart the vampires. Emil gets through an open window on the second floor, changes himself into the panther and attacks the students, killing every last one. I think that's uh, from the scene that you were talking about with the nice clever yeah, shot. Yeah, he runs up the stairs. Yeah. Meanwhile, Heinrich, Helga and the gypsy find Dora. The gypsy removes the cross from Dora's neck and Heinrich and Helga draw in for the kill. Dora runs to the school chapel where she knocks over a cross that impales Helga. See, um, I thought, why is she crawling out onto that, that precarious beam and, <laughs> and is she becoming a tightrope walker? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I thought, that's a, that's a do- dodgy spot to, um, to look for a bit of safety. <laughs> It was a bit, yeah. And then, and then you find out there's method to that madness. Yeah, there's, there's a the plot device down. there. So yeah, so the cross comes down and empowers and kills Helga. What a clever girl. Yeah. And by twin empathy, the gaping hole also appears in Heinrich's ah. chest. And he is dead too. Nice. So two, two. Two birds, one, one cross. One cross. <laughs> um, but, however, Emil and the gypsy escape. The strong man, however... 
played by David Prowse. Ah. We'll come to him, though. Yeah. Breaks into Dora's house and takes her and Goethe Hauser to the crypt. Hauser, Muller, Dr. Kirsch and Anton form a brigade of vampire hunters and they storm the circus, killing the strong man. Oh. Oh. Hauser sets the mirrors of life on fire, but he becomes trapped in the flames and burns to death. Which was a nice a bit of a nice grisly end. Um, the vampire hunters figure that the count is probably in the crypt, so they head there. Meanwhile, Emil has just finished feasting on Goethe Hauser and turns his attention to Dora. As he leans forward to for the bite, the gypsy who has been holding Dora, aka Anna, she so just a bit of a recap, she is the mother of Dora. Yeah. So there's a bit of a change in heart suddenly oh. takes place when it's actually her daughter that's gonna be killed. And so Anna suddenly pushes her daughter to the side and Emil bites down on Anna instead, killing her. (gasps) So we'll come to a climax. Anton attempts to chase off Emil with a crucifix, but a bat knocks it out of his hand. Anyway, suddenly the other vampire hunters break into the crypt and there's a big tussle with Emil. Emil kills off a number of them in succession. But Muller manages to pull the stake out of the Count's body and he uses it to stake Emil. With the stake removed from his chest, the Count wakes up. He goes after Dora, but Anton beheads him with a crossbow. Nice. Nicely done. Very cool bit. And so everyone is dispatched. Villains are all gone. But the only people to survive, Dora, Anton and Dr. Kirsch. As uh, Again, it's a a bit of a mirror image of uh, the beginning of the movie where a lot of people are killed off mm. to kind of rid, rid the town of evil um, and uh, and this time they do succeed and a bat flies off and a bat flies off is Which that significant? who's the bat? I, I thought it was one of the, the people maybe they were is there somebody we've missed? I don't know that's a question mark like, did, did they miss someone? what about the gypsy woman? no no she no, no, died that's, that she dies yeah I thought everyone had been killed oh. hey hammer aficionados is there a is there a bit of a or is it just a random bat or a random bat diseased and off to prey on spread the, the disease who knows around. there you go mm. so that's the end of the movie vampire circus yeah. so a lot of blood a lot yes. of gore <laughs> okay so um, without going into too much de- detail your initial thoughts and reactions from the movie Miles you know what? I mean I out of all of the Hammer films, I think this is probably the weakest that I've I've seen. Yeah. I mean, I it had a great look to it, and but you know, it was I think there was just something about it. The, the acting was so bad, and the script was the dialogue was just absolutely woeful. Yeah. And it just and the guy who played Anton really just annoyed me. Yes. Like every time I saw him, he did not look like everybody else was getting mucky and blood spl- splattered all over him. It looked like every time it was his turn to have a shot on camera, yep. he'd been busy make-upping himself yeah. and pr- preening his hair. Because <laughs> so, he didn't have not a speck of dirt on him the whole time. That's right. Mr. Like, it's a bit of I the old... I um... really irritating the whole time as well because his acting was so bad. Yeah. And, um, and It's I, a bit of the old uh, you know. David Hasselhoff, Michael Knight yeah. bit where, where he... Be like he'd be immersed in water and then he comes out and he's just like completely dry. dry head, yeah. Blow dry. That's it. <laughs> just a minute. But yeah, I, I mean, anyway. it had had some cool moments. I love the the circus bits with the um the the performers and yeah. 
and I did like um, uh, the decapitation, some of the, the transformation scenes as yes. well were, was quite interesting. Yes. And, um, but yeah, I just, I almost went, I, I kind of was a bit stumped with why they didn't, at the beginning when they killed the count off, yeah. why they didn't pull his body aside pour it with because I had that, those barrels of, of yeah. fluid that they were burning the castle down yeah. why not put make a specific point to burn the body yeah. of the count yeah. rather than just chuck him in the castle and, and hoping for the best that he'll go down with the rest of the castle yeah. just pull the body aside pour it with the, yeah. the, the juice and set light to it and burn it this is uh, the usual uh, trappings of a horror film, though. We, we, we need to have this happen in order for the rest of the movie to take place. I know, but it's like it's yeah. a basic logic. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, they obviously didn't brush up on Van Helsing's uh, ways to kill a vampire. Yeah. Because um, yeah, they got it right with burning the castle down, but obviously they didn't do so, um, job. I mean, I, I, I kind of agree with you a bit on this movie because. Um, you know, like, like I said, I prefaced it with saying that, um, you know, it's actually deemed one of the better movies in, through the 70s from Hammer. Mm. And it definitely does have an iconic follow, uh, you know, a cult following. Mm. Um, my own personal feel, though, is that it's it's a bit of a middle-of-the-road film. Yeah. Um, I, like, we've previously talked about Twins of Evil, and I hide that. I, I hold that one higher up on the mantle. I think that's a really bloody good movie from, mm. from the Hammer team. Mm. Um, this one just, it just it just moves along it's not yeah. I wouldn't say it's shit because there's like Lust for a Vampire no, no, Lust no. for a Vampire is a shit film right yeah. whereas um, <laughs> you can tell I really don't like that one whereas this one's just it's just okay and it's, the, it's really by the numbers it is yeah and, and now the concept of it I, mm. I like I yeah. like the idea of there being a troop of vampires disguised as a circus performers I'm immediately thinking of Interview with a Vampire with yeah. uh, and um, and Tony Banderas and Stephen Ray's group, the, you know, yeah. And for me, that there's something about that, and I feel like that would make a really cool movie if that was if you were I following. Think the whole like a, film could make a really cool movie if it like was if they properly. modernized it and just up like yeah. it's the same as when I, I was talking. If they with added them. that sort of commedia dell'arte, sort of really yeah. played with the, the the performers. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, there's something something yeah, in that. They really missed, do. They missed the mark on a couple of things yeah. there. And, they missed the boat and a great opportunity. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that too. Like, mm. yeah, I think there's definitely definitely something in there. And it's and there's like I was, I was saying to um, Anton Enzo in our previous podcasts of Captain Kronos. You know, that's that's another film where you feel like if they brought it, if they modernized it, and you know, they could do a lot with it. It, it mm. has potential of being a really good movie. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Hammer do or or somebody does look back at these kind of old movies and and thinks of these could potentially be remade. Who knows? If somebody wants to so. pay us to direct it, we would have yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah. Like, so. God damn it, yeah. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Had so much fun with that. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, we'll, we'll kind of um, round up our thoughts towards the end, but let's let's talk about uh, the people within the movie itself mm-hmm. now. Um, so we'll, we'll look at the actors first, and um, as is the way I, I kind of have been centering around the women first this time around, because... Uh, Dracula was so much a male-dominated um, <laughs> a villain, mm. um, and was the centerpiece. I thought with, with these vampire tales, it's interesting to look at the women through it this time round. Um, firstly, the list, the heroine, I guess, of the piece is um, is Dora Muller, played by Lynn Frederick. She's the daughter of Professor Albert Muller. Mm-hmm. Now, um, she's an English film actress, and you know her, her career spanned about ten years. She made about thirty films on. Um, or television, you know, drama appearances. 
Um, she's probably best remembered though as being the last wife of Peter Sellers. Mm. Um, and she was briefly married to David Frost too, yeah, who right. who's recently passed away as well. Um, Film-wise, though, like she's known for her roles in uh, Nicholas and Alexandria, um, Henry Ape and his Six Wives, playing Catherine Howard, um, and also the amazing Mister Blunden. Um, ah, great film. Yeah, yeah, really good movie. Yeah. yeah. So she's she's definitely kind of played significant roles. And she's hot. She's hot. She's yeah. hot in this movie. And, yeah. you know, and she was good. I, I enjoyed watching her. Yeah. I think that's probably what pissed me off about Anton is it looked like he was punching above his weight. Yeah, way yeah. above way. his weight. Yes. Was, was <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. No, no, well, she's definitely like, I mean, we look at the Hammer Glamour. She doesn't really, she doesn't really fit into the, what I call mm. Hammer Glamour, mm. but she's still very easy on the eye and, um, and, and had acting ability to, yeah, uh, yeah. to, you know, the acting chops to kind of really, hold the weight there and and you kind of need that because these people you're supposed to be backing you know and you need to be uh, behind them and hoping that they will pull through so i thought she i thought she was good in this movie um probably the, as you say the only there's a few exceptions some mm. some not so good um she was she's funny like i was reading up on her mm. and what a very sad sad life basically yeah yeah she ended up dying when she was 39 years old that's right yeah it's so young. awful yeah you know yeah and uh, i don't know whether it was just you know a stream of just bad marriages and depression yeah you don't know do you it's like alcohol. there was suggestion there was, of yeah and, yeah and um that's right yeah, yeah it's, um, it's 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 interesting and um yeah that, a lot of that ha- has happened with these uh, like you're looking back at these uh podcasts and a lot of these female stars are, are no longer with us you mm. know um, Ingrid Pitt um, is one of them and she passed away more of old age but like mm. you know um, Julian Eag who was in um, the uh, Legend of the Golden Vampires she passed away from cancer and you know there's a lot of this stuff you know that, that has occurred and you just um, yeah it's quite tragic when you look back but that's why we you can look back at these movies and you know you can see them when they were in the limelight and, and doing and well, particularly fun. and having yeah. fun, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so. it felt like you know yeah. they at least did. I mean, that's something with watching these Hammer films. It does look like they are having fun in the process of it, you know, which is good. I guess that's part part of what they they when you look at it, you, you do see them sort of hamming it up. They almost hamming it up, yeah, like on purpose. Yes. The young director obviously yeah. is going. You know, one of his first jobs is going. You know, stuff it let's, yeah. just, let's just make a meal of it. yeah and by that point too they were you know this is more towards in the more of the twilight of mm. of their um of their um realm and being at the forefront of um, horror filmmaking mm. um and so they were the producers were at this stage looking at different ways to kind of entertain mm. the audience and i guess that's why they were willing to give somebody like robert young a, a chance mm. to to just do something different and they would have been playing these type of films on you know the graveyard shifts in, yeah. in America and yeah, stuff yeah. there you know oh, that's where they did a, that's where they did a lot of business in America yeah that would have been a so, massive thing for their yeah. TV market yeah that's and because right. around that time that sort of people, the film rights were going up for sale with you know all the TV yeah yeah that's it and, that's it yeah yeah that's good anyway alright so let's look at um, Adrienne Corrie uh, who played the gypsy woman um, now she is a hammer regular mm. um she had turned up in uh, The Viking Queen, uh, which is one of their um, more kind of historical uh, retellings, um, kind of loosely based on Boudicca. Um, 
She also was in The New People, um, which was uh, an episode within Journey into the Unknown, um, which was kind of a bit of a, if you're going to describe it, it was a bit of a kinky British take on Rosemary's Baby. Mm. Um, She was also in Moon Zero Two, which is kind of a a polite way of putting it is that it's a psychedelic space western. Um, Yeah, it wasn't one of the most memorable movies that came out of it. Um, but either way, she was in that too. Now she um, she also guest starred opposite Patrick McGowan in Danger Man. Uh, yes. Would play Beatrice in VQ. Um, and so she regular in Danger Man. Yeah, uh, well, guest star, a uh, guest star yeah. regular. Yeah. I've never seen that show. I'm mm. a huge uh, Prisoner fan. Yeah, yeah. And I read once that that um, Danger Man apparently is the prequel to Prisoner. Oh, I didn't realise that. Yeah, because he's all essentially playing at the beginning. He's playing the same character. Yeah. Who quits at the yeah. beginning of the prisoner? And yes. ends up Suddenly ends up on the island. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't realise that was a prequel. But well, I, it's it kind of an unofficial prequel. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, if you haven't seen it, anyone out there, just, I would recommend kind of looking at some of the um, some of the episodes of Danger Man. They're quite quite cool. Mm. Um, so. Uh, she was also um, Mrs. Alexander in uh, A Clockwork Orange, which was that oh, nice. controversial rape scene. Oh, that's her. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I thought that was her. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like, she doesn't really have a lot to do in this movie, mm. um, although her role is quite pivotal at the very end, you know, because she has that um, decision to kind of save her daughter. Mm. Um, but, you know... I'm, like she plays like the kind of a ringmaster role too, so it's that kind of central point. She is the only, um, uh, one of the only, um, I guess, human non-vampires that are within the circus of night. Mm. The other being the strong man. Um, you know, so she has a Darth Vader moment. She has a Darth Vader moment. She does. Ah, ah. prophetic. Yeah. <laughs> ah, good point. But yeah, she like. I, I think within this movie though she's she's yeah she's okay she's just um, she does the job mm. doesn't really stand out but then uh, it's a big cast. She, yeah exactly she's not she, it's, it's not a woeful performance mm. by any stretch um, now the other uh, female character that's probably um, known by some kind of cult followers is Lala Ward mm-hmm. playing uh, Helga now she's probably uh, best known for her role as Romana from Doctor Who, uh, the Tom Baker years. Um, she was actually kind of in a couple of notable performances though. She played Lottie in The Duchess of uh, Duke Street, um, and was also um, Ophelia in Hamlet uh, alongside Derek Jacobi, um, where she got um, a, a lot of um, head. Well, played a very cool head-turning role within that mm. as well. Um, you can't really go beyond the Doctor Who stuff, yeah. though. Like, it's just, hard, like, though, because yeah. she's one of the best, most... Companions. You know, yeah. known companions of the Doctor Who. Yeah. And so... Like, I, I've recently revisited a lot of the Doctor Who stuff, pretty mm. much because of... I know this is an aside from Hammer, but um, because of the 50th anniversary of Doctor yeah. Who, I've kind of gone, right, I want to just start churning through a load oh, of nice. the older stuff. Um, and uh, about midway through the year, I got to Tom Baker. And... Um, I just remember like thinking how the earlier Romana, no, no disrespect, I just thought she was a bit of a wet blanket character. Mm. But when uh, Lala came into it, she just kind of brought a lot of presence to it, and yeah. an interesting way that she bows out too mm. um, in that in the uh, series. But um, I, I, you know, 
in this movie though she's like look she's just a bit of a bit player again though so yeah. she doesn't the character itself it, with the twin factor is an interesting one yeah and I like that concept but um, as far again as far as the piece is concerned I think the problem is though it's like we hinted at earlier there's a lot of it's a big cast yeah and like a good movie would let each one have their moment to shine and I question whether that happens in this one I, you know what I think I, I think the the uh, this writer has, has gone thrown all these characters into it yeah and he hasn't drawn any of them out no like hasn't like rounded any of them off mm. they've all got like these separate roles to bi- push the story along yes and so it's pretty much he's just gone well fuck it I'll, I'll leave it up to the actors to create their own characters yeah rather than and I'll just give them, give them a couple of lines to push the story along yeah and they can make their own characters out of it and it's it's kind of lazy writing but it's um, it is a bit got a, if you've got a through line that you're trying to get to yeah uh, then that's probably the way to do it but but it, as, as you said she doesn't really have a great deal of no. time to shine no not really so, the death scene's cool so, yeah, yeah yeah but other than that but yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so the other, just really quickly, you're going to run through some of the other fe- the female uh, actors in this movie. Uh, we have Serena, who's the erotic tiger woman dancer. Right, look, she didn't really do much other than stripper roles in The Lovers and The Body of My Enemy. Um, nothing really outside of that at all. Uh, we have Dominique Blythe, who plays Anamola, so uh, from the very beginning. Um, now she was quite a. a figure in uh, dra- uh, theatre circles she was uh, she graduated from the Central School of Speech and Drama and would go on to make her name with the RSC and the Stratford Shakespeare Festival uh, film wise though again not a lot to, uh, to talk about around this um, and then the last two uh, women I want to talk about is Mary Wimbush who plays Alvira so she's the mayor's wife she was a regular in the West End Theatre, best known probably for her role as Julia Pargetta in BBC Radio 4's popular soap opera, The Archers. Ah. Um, which I guess most most British people would know what The Archers is, but it's, dun, dun, it's, dun, it was dun, like dun, predates, dun, uh, yeah, dun, yeah. Dun. predates your uh, TV uh, with um, EastEnders and yeah. Corrie and stuff. This is like the longest running soap. Uh, is it still drama. going? It's still going. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So there you go. Um, other notable performances are um, Oh What a Lovely War, uh, where she received the BAFTA nom for Best Supporting Actress. She was in um, um, Son- Sons and Lovers, uh, Jeeves and Wooster, among other successful TV franchises. Nice. Um, so again, a staple, staple performer. Um, which is let's, uh, always the way. I kind of seem feel like I repeat myself in these podcasts, but it is always the way with Hammer films. They always have these actors that have that generally have quite a big theatre background mm. to them um, the other lady is Christina Paul now she plays Rosa the mayor's daughter um, other than playing a dancer in Polanski's The Tra- Tragedy of Macbeth she hasn't really done anything of note though yeah. um, so that kind of rounds out the female side of it let's, let's look at the, the male equivalents mm-hmm. we have Lawrence Payne who plays Professor Albert Muller um, he was in uh, the Trollenberg Terror, uh, had an uncredited role in Ben-Hur, and was also in the Telltale Heart, uh, playing um, Edgar Marsh. Um, he had numerous TV roles, which included three appearances in Doctor Who, again, class- mm-hmm. the classic episodes, and twice in The Tales of the Unexpected. Wow. Um, again, I, and that's another series classic. that I love, love, love. Mm. Okay, um... Now um, he was all right. Like he's a he's a bit uh, 
like again nothing really to shout about with his no. performance it's a bit paint by numbers mm. he's the one character that is pushing the story along because it's his wife that's um, that we still see apparently killed at the beginning of the movie yeah. and he's the father of Rosa who's the heroine mm. of the piece um, he's Dora yeah, yeah um, she's uh, killed off at the very end uh, sorry she rephrase that he is killed off at the mm. very end of the movie so you know it's um a tragic set of circumstances mm. that that his journey his character takes but his performance again yeah. like nothing really to shout about mm. um which is becoming a bit of a reoccurring theme really as we're talking about this movie in particular yeah. you know um however we do have thorley waters who plays the mayor he is a hammer regular he's uh, he's along with adrian corey as we mentioned at the head of the film he's only um uh he starred in um phantom of the opera Dracula, Prince of Darkness, Frankenstein, Created Woman, and Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. Um, in Dracula, Prince of Darkness, he plays Ludwig in that one, which is uh, the um, take on the uh, character, the Renfield character from mm-hmm. Dracula stories. Um, like, it's hammy, his performance is hammy to no end in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, he, he kind of at least lends a bit of weight to the to the yeah. to the story. He is one of the people that's been cursed at the very beginning. Um, he is the town leader, being the burgomaster yeah. himself. You know he's going to have a, a bad ending, and he's also the the character is important because he's also the first one to witness the curse being renounced, uh, you know, announced again, fifteen years down the track. Yeah, yeah. He he's the one that tries to take action mm. against the circus itself, and but suffers from a heart attack and dies um, yeah look I have to give a big nod to him because he was a big hammer player and yeah. it's good to see him in this movie um, you know carrying on that tradition um, albeit you know not a very strong uh, uh, film in itself mm. um, moving on we have Roman Sachs playing Heinrich uh, so he's the other twin he's probably best known in modern circles for playing the sorcerer in uh, Ethan Rain in Buffy oh. Um, yeah, good old Ethan Rain. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, he also cropped up in Lost World, Jurassic Park, Babylon Five in the beginning, Galaxy Quest, Star Trek Voyager, mm-hmm. sensing the theme, Torchwood, Miracle Day, and Resident Evil: Damnation. So he's been doing a lot of the old sci-fi kind of horror stuff, you know, over the, over the turn. Yeah, he um, passed away last year. Yeah, he did. Very yeah. sad. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I think he was quite young as well. Yeah, I always liked him as Ethan Rain. Yeah, because I'm a big Buffy fan. So. I, I think a lot of people would know him yeah. from that character. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, in as I said, as a modern audience, um, mm. like look, again, it's that whole. I like the whole twin uh, thing. I like really yeah. like the whole twin empathy. The fact he's he dies. Oh yeah, the, the demise was probably yeah, the best part. Uh, exactly. About their um their. Their, their roles in yeah, yeah. himself, uh, yeah. But again, like he's he's uh, like I think still pro- probably should be better known for playing uh, Ethan Rain in yeah, Buffy. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving on, we have Doctor Kirsch, who's played by Richard Owens. Look, he's never really been in anything of note either, mm-hmm. <laughs> apart from some numerous TV um, roles along the way. Um, He's uh his character in itself. He's really fundamental in this movie, though. Um, albeit like he's just peppered throughout. Mm. Um, he's the one that escapes from the town. Mm. He comes back saying that vampires exist. Um, it's a it's a uh, 
a disease that there's a virus going around it's not a curse mm. um, you know and it's it's being carried by these vampires that are yeah. within our midst and he's also one of the survivors at the very end yeah. too um, which is kind of interesting yeah I quite liked him I, I just, yeah yeah his um his his character as well is interesting in the sense if you relate it to um, just looking back at Hammer uh, and these movies that we've been looking at we always have uh, generally they survive but like mm. the the ones that are the skilled the ones that are in the know mm. of vampire legends tend to survive uh-huh. I'm talking about Van Helsing yeah yeah um, we have the uh, Father Sandor in uh, Dark, Prince of Darkness yeah we have. Um, Professor Zimmer in Kiss of the Vampire, which we've spoken about um, in a previous podcast, and um, and like numerous others that I'm probably um, forgetting now, um, but generally they they tend to be the ones that survive. Mm. It's a reoccurring theme. Yeah, and there's no exception. Knowledge is power. It is exactly. Um, so just a, I reckon uh, what three more three more male actors I just want to uh, mention. We have John Mulder Brown who plays Anton Kirsch, who you've already. Hey, he's the doctor's son, by the way, but you've already hinted that he's already given him a kicking. bit of a wet blanket role. Uh, he's probably best known for playing Peter in the TV movie of Heidi. Um, oh, that was where I'd seen him. Yeah. He was in the regular series, wasn't he? Yeah, the, the regular series. Yeah, 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 that's right. Oh, that's where I series. knew him from. I was like... Oh, I just... Again, a bit of a wet blanket yeah, in that too, you know? Yeah, and... <laughs> yeah. Um, I hated him in that show. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah, exactly. A bit of a no-personality kind of a guy. No disrespect, John. Um, I'm sure a lo- lovely person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, yeah, he's a bit of a... Yeah. But then, like, again, though, this is a reoccurring thing with Hammer. The male romantic lead tends to be this wet blanket kind of a character it is why I think because there is generally like as we've mentioned with the Dr. Hirsch character the person with the knowledge and the power who's the one that has to bring this uh, he's the one that brings the gravitas to the piece and and is the Mm. has the uh, power to combat the villain or or the vampire and because that's already like a the uh, juxtaposition character we've already got facing Mm. up against good versus evil you've then got this kind of other hero but doesn't really tend to do a lot yeah. the exception was Twins of Evil where we had Anton yeah. who was both he was yeah, the romantic exactly. ten, well technically the romantic lead mm. but, um, although he wasn't really connected with with the female leads in it until mm. the very end um, but he was also the one that had the knowledge and the power yeah um, so um, yeah interesting interesting turn but yeah probably Probably forgettable role, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lastly, I like I really want uh, not lastly is two other people, Anthony Higgins uh, or Anthony Collan, as he's known in this movie, uh, plays Emil. Now we've seen him before in Taste the Blood of Dracula. Yeah. He's known for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. The Draftman's Contract, which is one of my favorite movies, Peter Greenaway movie. If you've oh, not okay. seen it, he plays no, the. I haven't uh, seen that one. You, you should. I have seen him. You, are you into Peter Greenaway though? Because he's a bit. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I'd... It's what it's more what it, this one's more of the better end right. of his his movies, um, but he was also in The Bride and played Moriarty in Young Sherlock Holmes. That's right. Which That's is right. where me is growing up as a kid. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, it's Anthony Collins. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, like. He's he's role, he's like look, he's the main villain in this you know like uh, with the uh, Count Mitterhouse aside, mm. um, he's kind of like the uh, the main an- antagonist throughout this movie, and he you know he's, he he 
deals with it well enough. He he mm. comes across as a bit of a gypsy vampire. His look his look is kind of cool. Mm. Um, yeah, he's all right. Wants around and yeah, bears <laughs> his fangs a bit. And, yeah, he's all right. Looking like big old fangy mouth breathers. Yeah, know, yeah. There's a lot of that in this, isn't there? Yeah, it's really. I was yeah. kind of off putting. Like, yeah. I could see fillings. <laughs> well, you got to have a, you know, if you're going to go around kind of killing villagers, you've got to make sure your teeth works yeah, up to, yeah, up to yeah, scratch. Brush those fangs. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last person is David Prowse playing the strongman. Like, I'm leaving him to the end deliberately because um, people will know him playing a certain character called Darth Vader in the Star Wars trilogy. What's Star Wars? <laughs> no idea. Something. Uh, kids, you'll hear about it soon. They're making yeah. a whole load of new films on it, apparently. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so like obviously in the, in the in the Star Wars trilogy, he was merely as as a presence, not mm. the voice, because we all know that's um, James Earl Jones. Yeah. Um, um, but his physique is something that's uh, been prominent, and like look, this is evident in uh, in this movie too. The strong man, like he's the brute. He's you know, a big guy. He's a big guy. I've met him a couple of times. I've met him too, actually. Yeah, it's the Green yeah. Cross Code man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he came round to my school. Um, right. Because uh, I grew up in the West Country in um, yeah. Somerset. So yeah. I think he just lived just up the, up the road from right. there. So I think you're right. I think he's a Somerset um, kind of guy. Yeah, I think that's probably why they didn't get, get him to do any lines because his <laughs> accent would have been yeah all right how's it going because i don't know if you've heard him speak but he's got a very broad west country accent and um yeah yeah, so he came around to my primary school a couple of times yeah no like i i I was fortunate to meet him on Mm. one of these kind of he i think he was turned up at uh, some toy store or something and did a sign in as Darth Vader oh, nice. you could go through and there was a I still remember there was a stormtrooper at the front entrance nice. which was a little bit oh, a bit scary <sighs> and then you go through and then he was there and you, you know signed signed the autograph and then you were shepherded away but it was kind of cool all the he's same he's in um, Clockwork Orange as well he is in the Clockwork Orange playing the bodyguard Frank Frank yeah. Alexander's bodyguard yeah. yeah so another bit of a link um, and you've mentioned he was the Green Cross Code Man in the UK. And lastly, a um, couple of things like how related, I guess, uh, just a precursor though, he was in an uncredited role as Frankenstein's creature in Casino Royale, which was the comedy spoof with um, David oh, Niven yeah, and yeah. Woody Allen. Peter Sellers. Yeah, yeah. and the like. Um, mm. But he was also in, um, in the Howard Circles, he was also the monster in the horror of Frankenstein. Mm. And also was the monster in Frankenstein and the monster from hell. So twice played, or three times played Frankenstein, mm. uh, Frankenstein's monster. Um, so yeah, um, look, he's he, he in this movie though he's just he's there just to he's the, he's the brute force. Yeah, yeah, he's there to kind of intimidate mm. the, the the ladies and uh, and uh, prove a tricky uh, um, person to come up against within the movie itself. Mm. And there's that scene where. They think he's a vampire too, and she holds up the the cross, and he just grabs it and crushes it in his hands. Yeah, and then goes charging towards the yeah, camera. That's it. That was a good cut. It was a good cut. Mm. Yeah, good moment. Um, okay, so let's look at the uh, director Robert Young. Mm-hmm. As I said, this uh, was his sophomore movie, Vampire Circus. He uh, he was um, also did a, a Hammer House of Horror uh, film uh, film TV episode called Charlie Boy. Um, that one, you know? I can't remember which one it is to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just um, like we will. I like it is a plan of mine to go through the hammer. Yeah, House of horror the, stuff. I've, if I've you're done interested. The first recently, or in the past five years, I've, I've done the first series, but I haven't done further than that. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, there was only the there was only the one series of of the horror, and then they did the Master of Suspense as oh, the second okay. second one, oh. which was a bit of a it was a bit of a hit and miss one. The second one, oh. first one was the one that was iconic, mm. but uh, yeah, we'll definitely look at doing those if you're interested. Yeah. Um, so look again, like we we already said, there's some interesting good cuts, um, you know, and it it feels like they're trying to have a bit of fun with it, as we mm. said, and that comes across and. I'm not going to knock him for his work in this movie. How old was he? He went and directed his Robert uh, he Sorry, yeah. So he went on to do Splitting Hairs and yeah. Fierce Creatures. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so he's done he's done quite a few things mm. of late too. Um, now the DOP in this is, uh, is a hammer regular. He's a guy called Moray Grant. Um, he did The Vampire Lovers, Horror of Frankenstein, and Scars of Dracula as a DOP. Mm. Did a lot of camera operator work and a, and a lot of their other stuff here. I'm going to list them off, so bear with me. So he did uh, um, Hell is a City, which was an early film noir. Uh, they, early, early they did a lot of film noir kind of movies mm. before the horror stick hit. Um, they also did Paranoiac, uh, The Kiss of the Vampire, the, the Old Dark House, The Plague of the Zombies, Reptile, The Mummy Shroud, Frankenstein Created Woman, Quatermass in the Pit, The Devil Rides Out, and Dracula has Risen from the Grave. Wow. There's a lot of stuff where he was he was a yeah, mm. very relied upon person behind the camera. It's funny this the the, the photography on this, actually the cinematography on this. Yeah. Because it's kind of it switches to between like the, the new like using almost like location light. Yeah. Uh, to being the old fashioned studio type yes. of horror. Yeah, that's look. right. Yeah, yeah. Because the beginning, when he's in the, in the forest and he's chasing you know, the daughter getting kidnapped, that's right. Is beautifully shot. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's, it's lovely. really rich, sort of nice, natural life yeah. almost. Obviously, it wasn't. No, but, no, no. But it, it looked it, like it was using proper uh, location, using the, the available light there. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it gave it a bit of a different feel you're right actually it does change as you're going through the movie mm. too doesn't it the feel of it changes slightly with the look and feel of it yeah and so it gets towards the end and, it, and you, that, that's when you're in the the, the, the crux of this sort yeah. of traditional hammer yes. look yeah that's right of the very theatrical yeah yeah that's right sets yeah and um I mean, it was all filmed in Pinewood. So yeah, that's right. Obviously, they, they got out and into the um, forest around the area. Yeah, yeah. And then... And Which then is handy when a lot of that... I mean, that's why you get all these... So many of these iconic uh, forest shots within mm. the hammer, you know? So mm. it's no wonder that they uh, had that to hand. Um, okay, look, well, what's your final thoughts on the movie? What you, um, what, uh, how do you I see mean, it? you know, as I said, I, I didn't really like it as much as some of the other hammers. Um, it has, has some moments. The players itself were, um, were kind of... You know, it was good to see them in their early early roles yeah um, yeah as we were sort of talking about the script I think it was very underdeveloped under yeah and, it was um, uh, it's a, some parts lacked a little bit of logic characters just lacked a little bit of um, uh, development yeah yeah um, but you know as, as also said if it was to be redone now yeah yeah I think it, it's the it, the possibility there, yeah. I think there's something there actually. Yeah. I think there's something to there's look at. There's really cool, cool moments. Yeah. Like, Do you have any favourite moments? Um, I like the decapitation. Always love a good <laughs> decapitation. Yeah. I like the circus performance. Yeah, performances. yeah. It's yeah. quite interesting, especially the um the the trampoline and yeah. the high flying stuff was quite yeah, interesting. Yeah. Some of the cuts when the the transformation into the animals. Was That's true. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
Yeah, I like the puffy shirts. Wow. <laughs> the Count's puffy shirts. The Count, Count Metahouse's yeah, puffy it shirt. It did remind me of Seinfeld. I just kept, kept going, as soon as he popped up in the, this porno-y type of <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. it's, it's the Jerry's pi- shirt. The pirate shirt. Pirate shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How far out? That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> It's exactly the same. I, I, I yeah, yeah, no, you're pretty don't. much just look at it. But. You're right. I'm, so <laughs> next time I'm going to watch that movie, that's all I'm going to think of. Um, yeah, cool. Look, look, I, I'm the same. I, I look. I've, it's so middle of the road. This movie. There's. I really like the, the crossbow decapitation mm. scene, like you mentioned. I thought that was a really kind of nice take on on a on offing a vampire. Yeah, like um, performances were a bit kind of you know paint by numbers. Mm. Wasn't really a lot to shout about. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know. See, I struggle to know if I'd recommend this movie. No. Mm. Um, like, yeah, if you've got a loose end and you're I'd into probably recommend it to a Doctor Who fan or a Star yeah, Wars fan. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Or, um, you know... Somebody that's, um, you know, got those links to the... Yeah. Uh, to see how these actors started out. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Mm. Um, anything else to add or no that's it cool. for me alright well same same. Uh, thanks for listening and thank you Miles for taking part again no uh, and this uh, as I said the seventh instalment so next time round will be our final instalment of the Vampire Tales um, which will be a double bill looking at the new Hammer movie titles uh, there's Beyond the Rave which was an online movie released through MySpace and Let Me In which was a remake of the uh, Swedish film Let the Right One In nice. Until then, thanks for listening. Thank you, Miles. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.